0: Professor Marilyn Horvitz has been teaching her award winning screenwriting system to aspiring and seasoned writers via courses at NYU and in private workshops. She's also a TV show creator, producer, and writing coach who works with successful novelists, produced screenwriters, and award winning filmmakers. But, like many of us who get into teaching, Marilyn struggled for years to give herself the time and space to start and complete her own creative passion projects. As she told me in this interview, the fix was so simple, but simple isn't always easy. Professor Marilyn Horvitz, welcome to The Fearless Storyteller.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's Horowitz like the Monster Company, though I'm not related.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm tempted to say, tell me more, but hey.
1: Um... <laughs> you mean all the other people I'm not related to?
0: Yeah, all, the, all the, I want to hear all those <laughs> stories.
1: <laughs> well, My first name is Marilyn, and I'm not related to her, so what can I say? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Call it unrelated stories.
1: Unrelated stories. I love that. It's really very
0: Yeah. So for people who are listening and don't know anything about you, uh, what would you like to let people know?
1: Um, what I would like people to know about me is that uh, – uh, that what I discovered when I was, uh, when I was for, sold my first book and was asked to write a screenplay um, was I discovered uh, a, a better way of structuring stories. It really is a better mousetrap.
2: Mm. And
1: uh, in the last twenty years, I've probably taught, I don't know five or ten thousand people to write better stories because I work in television, I've worked with novelists who've been published by Double Days, et cetera, produced movies and television writers and all kinds of things. And uh, The Four Magic Questions, which is one of the books that I sent you, is sort of my starter book. And mm. it's a way of, of organizing structure of stories around the character's life that is incredibly simple and, I have to say, is foolproof. You mm. cannot throw this one up. And, of course, all of us writers are such tortured people. Having that kind of certainty by knowing how to structure things is a boon far beyond the obvious.
0: Wow. So... So tell me, how did, how did you like, you you mentioned you kind of found the system or developed it 20 years ago. Like what leads you down the path to, to coming up with the system like that?
1: Desperation, of course, like most other uh, great inventors. Um, (laughs) Not that I'm a great inventor, but I'm another inventor. Um, The the story is that I, I, I wrote a novel and I, I finished it on a Thursday, I went to one of those Hollywood parties and some guy hit on me and said, hey baby, my best friend's a producer, but he was. Mm. And um, I optioned a book, I finished it on Saturday, I finished it on Thursday, I went to the party on Saturday, I optioned it on Monday for, for some dollars, and I was then hired to write the adaptation because I had a degree from NYU undergrad in film production, so I should have been pretty smart, right? Mm. Um, a year later, this guy had tortured me, and I'd written thirty drafts of this thing.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it, the book was a how done it about a serial killer and his sister, um, in which you you, know, you watch the blow by blow: the FBI agent following the sister, following the brother, and it, the story is you know about how the three ultimately confront each other. But he wanted it to be more like a mystery. So by the time I was done, um, uh, it I, you met the, the killer who you'd originally met on page one on like page three hundred. So I had a a, a very uh, a very rough education into how to structure uh, suspense material, mm-hmm. and uh, after all of that, my reward was that he told me that he was going to give it to another writer. Oh no! And I <laughs> I just like I just, you know, so I had a, So that night I had a dream in which Joseph Campbell, um, who is a I don't even know if people know who he is anymore, but he's a fellow who wrote a book called uh, The Hero's Journey. And um, one of the things to know about him is that he found uh, similarities, that there's a universal story that we all know on a cellular level that we retell over and over. That's how we enjoy our stories. Mm. And George Lucas has said uh, that if he had not discovered um, uh, his writings, he would never have been able to structure Star Wars. Right. So this guy appears to me up a tree in a toga and says, (laughs) I am metaphorically where you are, what do you need? And I thought, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a really bad writer, but I'm even worse at reading maps. Ma- uh, maps so why don't I just, you know, go for broke? <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a vivid dream.
1: It was, uh, well, I, I, I'm a lucid dreamer. That's another conversation for another time. Oh, nice. And uh, uh, anyway, so, you know, he said, okay, if I give you a map, will you use it? And I said, well, you know, I'm from New York. I don't know. Uh, he said, I am too. And that was it. I woke up. And I wrote down these twelve little circles, and I realized later that I had been given in, in a vastly simplified and reimagined version of the seventeen-step, impossibly difficult hero's journey that Campbell talked about in his book. Right. That it absolutely correlated to the classic structure of a two-hour American Hollywood film. Over mm. and over again, it was foolproof. Um, and so I was able to to use the blueprint I'd been given save myself from getting written out of my story. And uh, uh, the the, the book didn't get made, but I got paid and I got the rights back. So I think, and I think in retrospect, it was all for the best because within a year, I was teaching the master class at the School of Visual Arts. I was teaching, you know, senior writers and I had a full coaching practice. It was just the weirdest thing, Mm. honestly. And it was just like, you know, kismet. but I, I was very, uh, very intrigued by that. And uh, again, people wanted me to teach this thing that I didn't even know I had, mm. if you see what I'm saying. Yeah. So then what happened was I was teaching at SVA and I decided that uh, the problem with, with, with screenwriting was that it wasn't connected directly enough to acting. So people were writing, you know, fiction on paper as opposed to movies on paper or plays on paper. Right. And I convinced the head the chair um, of SVA to allow me to uh, connect with, you know, the Rican was that then doing big readings, and it was a very chic place. And we did a, a reading so that each of my students got to read the first act of their much-worked-on screenplay. And it was great. I mean, it really uh, was great, but that got me some attention. And at that time, they were starting the uh, certificate program, uh, very prestigious, at NYU continuing studies, and the fellow there called me up and he said, hey, uh, I hear you have a book.
2: <laughs>
1: mm. I'd like you to come teach the book. And I went, book? You know, I had a few handouts.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, i did done a few graphics. You know, my, right. my boyfriend, you know, worked as a temp when he wasn't making movies, and he was good at that stuff. So nice. um, anyway,
0: so good he, boyfriend there.
1: there. great boyfriend. So anyway, we, we put together a little booklet, let's call it, And, uh, the class was called writing the screenplay in 10 weeks, because as I say, as a coach, that was, had already become my sort of proprietary ability was to get people to get through drafts very quickly and very well. And off we went and I've been teaching there. I just got my 20 year pin a few weeks ago. Wow. I know.
0: And all of that because Joseph Campbell appeared to you in a dream. No doubt. That's amazing. Now that is, that's a hero's journey. (laughs) for sure i i suspect i have an inkling that many of my readers do know who joseph campbell is and will be all the more tickled to hear the story because of that um and i guess that takes care of like how you ended up at new york university and why what about teaching screenwriting still has appeal for you 20 years later
1: Oh, that's a great question. Well, some of it is that you know I'm a writer, and uh, a lot of my students have had uh, a, a big success, which certainly uh, makes me you know feel validated. I mean, I'm a normal person. I mean, one of my proteges was just nominated for an Emmy last year, so nice. Good. Um, but honestly, the truth is, I love the form. Mm. I, I you know I work I write TV now. I I love I love this you know because I I come from a fiction background. Um, I was the kind of bookworm that my brother and I had a big contest one year, one summer. Uh, I read 301 books and he read 302 books. And the fight was because the 302 books was a comic book. Did it count?
0: Oh, of course it counts.
1: Well, I I know I lost. Um, (laughs) Taught me a lot about being too rigid. But um, uh, so, you know, I come from such a background, but because I loved comic books so much, Mm. Um, uh, I think, and because I'm also a fine artist, I think this, the, the jiggle, the, the, the thing that really uh, excited me, which I didn't really realize until recently was this idea that you read a piece of prose, uh, and then you have to translate it into shots and, and scenes Mm. and that, and that, you know, that you have to add movement and life to it. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I had my NYU class last night. I have 14 students and I, I I was like so excited. I was like, yeah, you know, you're going to do this and you're going to do this. And then you're going to look at your treatments and you see that line that says, uh, you know, Dick and Henry had a terrible fight over their mother.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You're going to now watch one of my films using my system, you know, like The Wizard of Oz or something. And Mm -hmm. you're going to look at how I've organized the breakdown. And now you're going to go look at what you see on the screen. And now you're going to go think about what you wrote and you're going to take what you wrote and turn it into shots and scenes. Mm. I mean, it's unbelievably fun.
0: Yeah, unbelievably fun. Well, can't argue with that. That's that's pretty huge. And hey, I have a carryover question from a previous conversation then, while you mention okay. it. What, what what does it mean for something to be unbelievably fun? Like,
1: yeah. what,
0: what is that? What is fun?
1: All right, I read your book, so I actually know where you're coming from, and I love your question. Can I Thank just you. say that? Thank you. I really appreciate your question. Okay, well, there are many definitions. And remember, I come from two generations of lawyers and a (laughs) philosopher, so this could get a little long-winded. But the short definition, the the definition of flow, according to Jack Somali, who wrote that famous book, Mm. is that fun is something that is not necessarily ha-ha, you're on a a, a ride in an amusement park. It's something that's challenging that you can do.
0: Mm. I love
1: that definition.
0: Some fun is something challenging that you can do
1: that you can accomplish.
0: Nice. So that's one definition.
1: Yeah, I like that, but it works for me on a lot of levels because I like to cook. So one of the reasons I like to cook is 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 you know uh, I one of my other jobs before I became a professional writer was I was a chef and I was a catering person, whatever. And I also came from from uh, my my grandparents were very wealthy. My grandfather was a movie lawyer who. Was general counsel of Columbia Pictures, and they had that kind of fancy lifestyle. Mm. But I spent most of those Friday night dinners in the kitchen with Mamie, who was their cook. And Mamie taught me that the secret of cooking was to get everything on the table hot.
2: Hmm.
0: Okay.
1: So when I cook, no matter what it is, that's my game. That's that's the fun for me.
0: Right. How to do that? How to get everything hot?
1: How can I nail it? You know? How can I nail that?
0: Right. Well, the more, I imagine the more ambitious you are with your dish, the more difficult that would be.
1: Um, well, but but I, but I think that's, a. De- I mean, in other words, so, so fun. Um, and again, I, I'm, I'm digressing, but I'm going to make a point here. I love I, this I, I digression. Act-
0: I hope, I hope you digress away.
1: Okay. I do this in class with my students. I'll say, okay, so my definition of fun comes from when I was a little girl, I hated food and I did not like to eat. Mm. And I was I was like four feet tall, and I weighed ten. I was really really skinny. And my mother, in a desperate attempt to get me to eat, and I remember, she's the philosophy professor who later became a lawyer, um, would get me to um, eat uh, alphabet soup because I was already reading. And she would she would have me spell out words by finding the alphabet in the soup, and that's how she got me to eat.
0: Yeah, nice. Yes, that does work. <laughs>
1: Uh, you obviously have kids, so you yes. know. Yes, yes. Uh, but anyway, so that's when I tell that story in class, I'll say, so that's how I would, if I had to describe something really internal and thematic about myself, if I were a character,
2: mm.
1: I would only tell that story because you would understand so much about the character because there's movement in there and there's, mm. there's action. And, you know, so, uh, you know, if, if you told, tell me what your definition of fun is.
0: mm I don't know, I think uh, I was pondering on that and that's part of why I asked, but I, I think there's an element of, it's something that, I do like the challenge element, but something that I can do that I'm unattached to the outcome of, like something that pushes me and challenges me that I'm unattached to where it goes. Like my ego is detached from the process.
1: Oh, I love
2: that.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And I guess I was thinking about it at the time more in the context of creative play, which definitely sounds like there's an element of creative play in what you're talking about. And And I know that for people who are listening, where some people are writing for creative play and some people are writing for a living, and I guess I wonder where, like, what's the secret to keeping it fun and playful as a professional?
1: It's a, it's a fantastic question, and uh, the answer is to always be writing something else. Mm. You know, and, and also to have a writing practice. In other words, it's 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 one of the hardest things for me to get my private students uh, to do. Um, but I do it every morning and it doesn't matter, you know, um, Julia Cameron wrote a famous book called The Artist's Way. Yes. And the discipline in that is that you you, know, you get up in the morning and you write three pages of whatever, you know, brain flow comes out. And I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's a really, really good, good practice to have. Um, but I found that when I was dealing with people who were so highly motivated, who were professional writers and were suffering, right. um, we had to add an objective. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) There had to be, you know, some, some, uh, some, 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 something at the end, other than just blabbing out, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, the vicissitudes of your, uh, of your, of your life. And Mm -hmm. so what I would, what I do is I have, I have writing prompts. And so the idea is when you sit down at your computer, you're going to write for 15 minutes, free writing, whether you use a computer or a hand. And, um, yeah, you just have to decide on one thing. You don't have to stay with it. You say, okay, I'm going to write about that incredible dinner last night.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the simple act of having to pick one thing to write about, by the way, is the cure for writer's block, should you ever
2: mm. have anybody
1: whose stuff's – all you do, you do one or two things. You either get them to talk about something they ate or uh, you get them to, uh, to copy someone else's work. And I guarantee you that every writer within five minutes <laughs> will be rewriting their colleague's work.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, I guess having an objective is is important and helps focus the mind. You know, having a reason or finding it quickly.
1: Well, it's also also the mind tends to skitter around like a bug. Mm-hmm. And by by get asking the mind to focus. In other words, it, it's a curi- it's a curious uh, thing if you do a little research. A lot of my writing systems is based on brain science. Is that the the reason that we wake up and we start you know worrying and thinking is because you know back in the cave days we were sleeping in some cave and when we woke up we didn't know if there was a you know a raptor around trying to eat us or something right so there's a very practical reason and um, people make the mistake of trying to go right into meditation or calm themselves down or control that mm. and uh, what I found over the years for myself and also as I say I've had to work with so many very highly creative people with with deadlines and neuroses and uh is that you need to do if, if you if you're into meditation or being calm you have to do pre-work okay and the pre-work you know deep breathing is great exercise is great but the real issue is you got to go in there and talk to that animal brain of yours that reptile brain the thing that sits at the base of your skull and say okay i checked it out there are no raptors
0: mm, yes
1: and it's like it's almost like you have to treat that part of you like it's another part of you, and you almost have to talk to it out loud. So right? Kind of like
0: I mean, acknowledging or honoring the that instinct, satisfying. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yes, because it's like breathing. In other words, it's it's there to help you. And you know, it's like anything. You know, like like you have kids, right?
0: Yeah. Too.
1: So, so okay. So you know, one of them does something like runs out in the street, right? Hmm. Right, and you grab them and you go, "What the hell were you doing out on the street?" Right. Yeah. And then you're immediately sorry because in no way are you mad at them. Right. You were terrified. Yes. But there, but you know, even if you try to explain it to them, they're not going to get it. That your 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 primal, your Labrador brain, uh, reptile brain response was that anger gets all the brain chemicals in your mind going. Fear flattens you and paralyzes you, but anger mm. motivates you and gets you to run out in the street and save your kid.
0: Mm right
1: and i think writing i think the, the key thing about becoming a, if you want to become a great writer and i don't mean a famous or a, but if you want to become a writer who's really doing his or her job mm. you have to be able to be with all the parts of yourself ugly and bad ugly mm. and good ugly and you know contradictory and understanding that we have three brain parts we have a you know limbic brain is our emotional brain in the middle of our head the neocortex is the thinking brain in front and the reptile brain sits at the base of our skull and that each one of them is still there because evolution's a beautiful thing. You know, that just makes life get started faster. So honestly try it tomorrow morning when you wake up, Ethan. Mm, yeah. Okay. Go around and go, okay. Am I prepared for this day? Is it safe for me to get out of bed? You will notice the chatter part of your brain goes to less than half.
0: Mm, I will try that out. Um, yeah, I have to think about what what would sufficiently motivate me to look for. <laughs> maybe a maybe maybe a bunch of unread emails or texts.
2: No, but
1: I think it's. Is a it safe? Yeah, I, I think it's so much more primal as you wake up and you go. You know, I mean, you, you know, you go. Okay, is everybody safe? Yeah. I mean, because really underneath, we're all cave people, and we're still living in the cave. And,
0: yeah, and I think you're right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I know you're right.
1: This is, this is something that I find when I get my my students to tune in and write about this. Like in class, I'll get like, my you know, or if I'm working with a private person and they're just, you know, scattered or anxious or some emotion, I'll right. just say, okay, let's, let's talk about how you woke up this morning. What happened when you looked in the mirror? You know, this stuff, I mean, I don't want to digress too much. It's your show. So you take back the show. I'm sorry. No, I, this, is, this, is the
0: whole, this is the whole point. This is the whole point. This is a lot of what I wanted to talk about, which was how how to look within ourselves and to find the essence of a story.
1: Well, you and I are so, we're so on the same page. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I know that's part of what you're, you're teaching. um, Right. With what you're, I guess you're calling after naming, after yourself, somebody who is related, the Horowitz method.
1: Well, that was my mother. My mother was a, was a, uh, I, I, you know, intellectual property lawyer and she did, um, uh, she did a lot of, you know, pay, um, what do you call it? Patent work. Yeah.
0: It's nice to have in the family.
1: It. Yeah. It, it's very convenient. And she, she, but she, but she, you know, she's funny cause, because, because even though, you know, like her, her family name was Schwartz just because mm. of how she felt about it, my father and stuff like that. Mm. She said, she said, you know, you, you, you need to name this after your dad. That's so sweet.
0: Hmm. That is sweet.
1: You know, so I was like, all right, mom. <laughs>
0: that's yeah, so you got smart, sensitive people in the family. That's, that's a good thing to have. And so I want to go more into talking about, like, how do you turn your, as you say, turning your hopes and fears um, into elements that you have in your story?
1: That's a great, that's a great one. You know, um, uh, when you look at one of my books, the how to write screenplay in 10 books book, the first exercise is that you, when you create your characters, you use a 15 minute um, uh, exercise that I developed that is very effective. It it, Mm. it replaces the traditional long character biography. Okay. Um, But you do yourself first.
0: Mm.
1: You answer the questions for yourself first and uh, we can, uh, I can usually you know, pretty much ascertain what your core issues and stuff are from your drawing because the first, first request is that you make a stick figure drawing of your, of your nuclear family. Mm. And so to, to me, the, the answer to the question is, if you are honest about what you fear
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you can get there in a, in a way through a, a real story about your life then you have the battery or the engine for every story that you would ever want to write. Mm. If you think about it, right. Kind of like
0: the writer's theme or story in the subconscious.
1: Yeah. Even in the conscious, in other words. So for example, um, uh, one of the exercises I do like in my class last night is I have my students all do this first exercise. We do the character work together. Um, uh, and um, as I say, for the first you do it for yourself and then you do it for your characters. And people all drew these little stick figures of their family. And one of my students um, who was working on a horror story who can't quite get his arms around, it's a too big a story. Mm-hmm. Great story, but big. And when I had him do the drawing and I looked at the drawing, I realized that he'd put his family you know, together and he was standing apart from his family. And because I've done this for a while and, you know, Obviously, like you, I'm somewhat intuitive. Mm-hmm. I realized that the that the that the key of the story is why this character, who's sort of an anti-hero, does everything is because he can't get love and acceptance from his family.
2: Right.
1: It doesn't sound like rocket science, okay? But when you when you now take that theme and you say to the person, this is this is really, this is your plug-in. This is real. This this is this is what you, this is the real issue that you are trying to resolve as a person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, don't argue with this. It's not about psychology. This is about finding something we can use. Right. Um, and we just assume that every story you ever write is going to be about this sort of thing until you resolve it. And that every one of your characters has a similar issue because they're all part of you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that make the events that you're going to pick in the scenes much more easy to understand? And he's like, yeah. And I go, yeah. I said, so you know what it feels like to just feel that no one will ever accept you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Ouch. And then suddenly his character came to life and he goes, oh, I can see, you know, then, and then he got very creative. That's the point. The point is that you, you're, you you know, like actor's craft. You're, you're pulling from yourself. You're not dwelling on it. You know, this is not a class about psychology. Right. And, you know, my personal opinion is the more you think about something, the worse it gets. <laughs> Yeah, You know, but as a, as a resource, and actors are taught this from, you know, the minute they start working, but writers don't, don't get this kind of, you know, boost. So the idea is you drew from one tiny stick figure drawing, I was able to explain to him so he got it, what his core issue was as a, as a person, and yeah. then was able to look at his story with him and to quickly, and I mean quickly... He went, oh, well, I see. He would never do this, and he would never do that, and I see the conclusion of my third act is completely wrong. Like, I didn't do anything. Right. But he had read my books. He understood the way I, I teach structure, so he was able to now immediately in two classes apply this.
0: That's pretty cool. I'm,
1: and to have 14 people do the same thing makes me pretty happy.
0: Yeah. So that's that's fun. To so me, that's
1: what's... fun because it's challenging.
0: You see, it's it's. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. Like, where you know, what, what's the most challenging part of that?
1: Um, I think I think really the, the most challenging part is dealing with myself as a writer. If I'm going to be perfectly honest.
0: Okay, tell me more.
1: You know, it, it's 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 I, I've been you know I've been so successful in not writing my own stuff, and then I wrote a novel that was published a couple of years ago, and I've sold screenplays, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. But this whole issue of feeling that my purpose is that I'm a writer has been something that, you know, in the most neurotic way I've struggled with for a long time. And I'm now, finally, now that I'm hitting a place in my life where, you know, I'm, I'm pretty successful and I don't have to do things like worry about money, mm-hmm. um, I'm actually now dealing with the issue of not not fulfilling my purpose. It's, it's horrible.
2: Mm.
1: But, I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest because I owe that to other writers. So yeah. I am now, uh, and, and I realized that what I did was I kept myself so busy for these years that I really, you know, if I wrote a novel, I squeaked it in, or if I worked on a screenplay, I squeaked it in. And I just never found time to give myself, you know, a regular two or three hour work window every day. Yeah. That I wrote about, wrote around everybody else's writing. And, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, we, 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 we all, everybody has their own troubles, you know, so I'm not. You know, I'm, I mean, you know, it's not not a bad trouble to have, but I but I realized that the fix was so simple, Ethan. You can't believe it. was mm. so getting on my Google Calendar and putting mm-hmm. in a, a two-hour chunk where I got to go into my studio, turn off my phone, and just write or read or do whatever I wanted.
0: Yeah, of, that's that's one of the first things I I ask my own clients, prospective clients, is, are you on your schedule?
1: It's, a, it's the best question ever. I wish I'd asked myself that about five years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, there's a lot of... So So tell me, it like, it, the fix is simple, but it doesn't sound like, you know, it is necessarily easy. You know, there's, there's maybe a difference between simple and easy.
1: Well, you have to go into the reasons why you don't do things. And I... Right. I that the thing that I have found the most useful, a couple of things, but, but uh, uh, you know, I'm one of those people I, I read incessantly. So, you know, as soon as I got your book, I immediately read it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, on my various platforms. I was like, oh, I gotta read this. So I, I read a lot and I, I think that that uh, helped me get to a place where I, I have another good story for you, if you don't mind another digression. Please. This is what this is what changed my life. So I couldn't figure out why considering how incredibly motivated I am, how productive I am, blah, 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 blah. I couldn't get myself to sit and write every day. Okay. I just, I mean, I did my journals every day. It wasn't that, but I mean to go and then do something, you know, just try doing creative writing. Mm. And um, I was in Greece. Um, do you know the Abraham Hicks people? Have you heard of Esther H- Jerry Hicks? Have I heard have
0: people? heard of Abraham Abraham Hanks, Hicks. Um, sorry. Yes. I, I, I'm lucky enough to have been, forwarded links and videos that I haven't watched
1: uh, well you know they've only got one answer so watch one and you get it but uh, great. They're great. and uh, I like them so much that I have a girlfriend who I travel with um, uh, and uh, we went to Greece on one of their tours hmm. um, and uh, we're, we're sitting in one of their seminars and after the seminar I go and I have this dream and I dream that my father is taking me into this examining room and there's no one in it and I'm a little girl and on the walls are all of these uh, uh, x-rays of a terribly damaged child. Mm. And I woke up and I went, whoa, that was a scary dream.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then I remember that my father, like 30 years ago, had tried to get me to go to the forum. Mm. And, it, you know, because of the way my mind works, you sort of get this. I, I believe in signs. I listen to my inner voice. I meditate. I meditated. And the inner voice said, you know, could you please let your dad apologize? Mm. He wanted you to go to this thing to help you sort out all the junk you had to deal with as a teenager. Mm. It was big. And I so without even thinking about it, I, I came back to Greece and I went to the first landmark forum that they had in New York. Mm-hmm. And I sat through the three days and I realized uh, after a couple more seminars, this is the drum roll, Ethan.
2: Yeah.
1: That the only reason I don't do what I say I want to do is, is like other... Covering perfectionists is if I don't think I can do it, I don't try. It was so strong, so simple, and so mm. in a blind spot. Mm. And the forum really like it helps you see your blind spots. And I was just like, "Wow,
0: wow. Can you, can I
1: you, am disempowering myself."
0: Can you say that one more time? Like,
1: that- yeah, that the reason I was doing like so wasn't willpower,
0: mm-hmm.
1: wasn't uh, you know some form of emotional, you know. Neurosis or something like that or, you know, resistance or anything I had ever thought was the reason the simple reason was is I I didn't feel empowered I disempowered myself mm. and I didn't believe that I could accomplish it. So I didn't even try mm. whoa mm. Now, I don't think I'm different than other people.
0: No, I, I think this is this is like one of those Really universal storylines here So So
1: that I'm glad we're talking about it. And so every moment when I, when I wake up now, what I do, Ethan, is um, I get up and I look in the mirror and I go, okay, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how empowered am I feeling? Mm. And then as I go through my day, I mean, it's like a mindfulness exercise. I'm like, okay, how am I feeling right now? Am I feeling empowered or disempowered? Mm -hmm. And it's a very scary thing because the reason for your disempowerment are all those traumatic things that happened when you were little that you never resolved or you know that 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 person you were married to that was kind of abusive and critical or you know whatever the reason or that boss you had i mean i think what you're getting from me is because i i'm I'm a writer to me every true experience is basically just another story right that's you know what i mean all right so you know your, your your husband beat you or you know your mother was mean to you or whatever it's just a story. The, the, what's important is you feel disempowered and you're not performing and you're disappointing yourself.
0: Right, so it sounds like you got good at avoiding kind of maybe confronting the pain or of examining that. And, but at some point recently, um, the pain of not doing the work, of not showing up and confronting that would be greater.
1: Well said, you're obviously a great coach.
0: Thank you. Um, but so you found you, you I mean really that key word is purpose. you You knew what your purpose is, you know what your purpose is. and I
1: kept pretending I didn't
0: yeah and and that is that is a hard thing to walk away from and turn your back on when you know get that sense of knowing what your purpose is.
1: Well, it was more subtle because you see I was helping everybody else write. Right. And I was writing. In other words, I did publish a novel. I, I wrote screenplays that sold. In other words, it wasn't that I wasn't writing. This is that kind of, you know, creative writing where you really are digging into yourself and you're trying to see what the inner part of you wants to write about. It's that much deeper stuff. I right? you know, you see what I mm-hmm. It's a difference, right? It's not yeah. that I it's this stuff. You know, who am I as a writer?
0: Yeah. so so here's a question then you don't you can answer to the level of your comfort you want like in digging into that let's say there's listeners digging in or yourself like what kind of support is helpful to really get there and go there and do the work of feeling empowered
1: i really hate to say this but i'm gonna say it okay and you know I found that the that the landmark forum, which you know gives you that three day you know s like experience mm-hmm. and but it also offers a ten week free three hour uh, support seminars so you get you get thirty hours of of group coaching.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um I found that that taking that workshop and then taking a couple more and showing up, uh, for these for these seminars every week, you know, for three hours with fifty or sixty other people, I mean, these are big groups. Right. And, and doing this work as a as a group, yeah, collectively, people sharing and and so on and so forth, has been the reason that I have been able to remain in integrity from the original workshop and get to a point where I was able to make the distinction mm-hmm. that it was my own disempowering of myself. That was preventing me. I couldn't find it. I knew I was doing something wrong.
2: Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: But it was somehow, you know, going to the forum and staying with it. And, you know, you work in groups, you have group phone calls. There's a lot of support in you. And the people who go to the forum are very high-level, intelligent people. I don't mean necessarily wealthy people, but they're accomplished people. And, you know, for someone to, to do this work is pretty brave. Right. You know, or you have to be pretty desperate or both. Yeah, and um, I, 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 you know, and I've done everything. I'm certified in yoga. I mean, I, you know, I, I've done all the spiritual practices. And frankly, I got to tell you, the landmark forum is what finally did it for me.
0: Yeah, that's. And why do you hate to say that?
1: Because they're they're you know they're they they are they're very pushy.
0: <laughs> you know? I know. I, I I had my encounters back in the day.
1: <laughs> but they haven't changed. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, you can't blame
0: them. I get that support from, personally, I'm happy to share I'm getting support and mentoring from Thrive Academy, and they're down in San Jose. But I, I do think it's critical to work of being in a group and making the time on the calendar because... We don't learn these lessons once and have it stick. We have to relearn it every day or come back to our truth and find it. And that's part of the rhythm of just being alive is remembering our purpose every day.
1: Yeah, and words don't teach.
0: No, <laughs> no. And, and I'm, I'm, one of the beautiful things that I've been like learning and reaffirming with doing this podcast is there's not one of us that succeeds by doing it alone.
1: No, no, you know, in my classes uh, people, I have fortunate people in this particular NYU class, uh, people partner and yeah. their job is not to work on the same story, but the, the idea that you have an active listener
2: mm-hmm.
1: who can, who can hear you
2: mm-hmm.
1: and respond. That's my whole thing about, you know, having read those screenplays back in the day aloud. In other words, here, you, it, writers need to be heard,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's not taught. It's not. It's not considered important. Mm. And it, it's only half the battle, and that's why writers suffer so much. You know, you. It's, it's not that you need advice. <laughs> mm-hmm. You need to be heard. It's, it's what you wanted when you were a kid. You know. Yeah. And. I find that teaching my students to be active listeners of each other, people work with each other for years after my classes. Right. Because they have a common language. And they've been trained not to be critical of each other, so it's safe. Right. So I agree with you, and I'll look up Thrive Academy. I'm not familiar with it, so I like the name of it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of – it's it's for – For people who maybe like have found their the tools and found the modalities that work for them to get to that place, Mm. but then are ready to learn how to actually reach and find their right audience.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: Yeah. And I've been uh, for me, that's been one of my personal journeys is I've always had a tendency toward trying to figure it out for myself and succeeding on my own and doing things the hard way. And like, for me, one of the big breakthroughs is to finally accept help and mentoring and to even lean into it.
1: Um, Right. Yeah. You've always been the caretaker, right?
0: Exactly. And so it's very different space to be on the other end of being supported and asking for help. And, you know, but In life, it can feel pretty wobbly if you don't have both of those skills developed. I think the ability to caretake and to be taken care of, and hopefully that shows up in my stories, even if they're the funny stories.
1: Oh, I'm 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 sure it does.
0: Yeah. So totally transitioning, just hot transition here. Okay. Segue. A segue. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll maybe I'll do a soft segue here. Like, what are the pros and cons of like writing by yourself versus collaborating on a project?
1: Well, I have to answer the story the back the other way. Um, there was once a podcast in which uh, a writer asked David Lynch, you know, the famous filmmaker, hmm. um, how to handle uh, uh, arguments in collaborations, and he paused and said with no irony. Do you own a firearm?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny.
1: Um, Well, it's funny until it happens to you. Uh, (laughs) Right. uh, I I think that I I, I, I'm going to answer that by saying that if you don't if you don't ever write alone, which is definitely something, you're never going to know who you are as a writer. Mm-hmm. And that, whether or not you ever produce something that's like a book or whatever, I think that that doing three pages of journaling every day is essential to to maintain some kind of verbal identity. Or, um, you know, what I we room full of writers last night. We do an exercise where I'm like, okay, so um, because remember my stuff's all all based on brain science, and and mm-hmm. and we can do this. So imagine that you're in your bed, Ethan, with your eyes open. Okay. And imagine that you now walk uh, to your bathroom, mm. and you glance in the mirror, and uh, then you walk back to bed. Can you, see, you can see all that with your eyes open. Isn't that wild? Yeah. 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 You're I access. Can. I know. It's cool. You're accessing a part of your brain that that is is uh, normally in the autonomic mer- uh, nervous system, which helps you not trip over things.
2: Mm. Um, yes, but, so. my,
1: but my point in telling you that is when you looked in the mirror, what did you do? And you looked at yourself in the first thing in the morning. What did you do?
0: Oh, I I didn't linger long, (laughs) but I I only checked my face.
1: Okay, but but you even checked it. Most of these writers didn't even look at themselves. They checked, they fixed their hair, they checked for pimples, and. This is just, I mean, and so what I say to writers is, look, you know, whether or not you write alone, if you don't, if you can't look in your own eyes and see what's going on, then Mm. you have nothing to offer a partner.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a good one. You you know, I used to interview a lot of people for corporate jobs. Mm -hmm. And I knew I could tell within five minutes if somebody was a no. Because if they couldn't answer the question, "Hello, how are you doing?"
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: you know, uh, that was like really just about all I needed to ask somebody. And this this was for really technical work, you know. It's like there's the basics, right? Like we we've got to got to be comfortable in our own bodies and spaces to be able to show up and work well with others.
1: Sure, you need to have at least basic people skills or you're just not gonna be able to get along in an environment.
0: Yeah, at least trust yourself a little bit. And that's easier said than done, perhaps.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying it was interesting how how unself-reflective writers are. Yeah. And I don't mean like you need therapy. I mean, yeah. like they're not observant of themselves as if they were a character in their own lives.
0: Right. So, okay, so I've got show up, be on your own calendar, and be a be a real character in, in your life. That's yeah. that you observe. Yeah, be,
1: be you know be be aware that half the time we're not even in our own movie. You know.
0: Yeah. So, what's next for Marilyn?
1: Um. Well, what I'm doing is uh right now I I, I actually it's a, the answer to your question is if you find the right writing partner it it is just absolutely a blissful experience and so mm-hmm. I finally after working with lots of other people found a great Writing partner, who and he's a comedy guy,
2: right? Um,
1: and um, uh, you know he's he's like a gag man, so it's absolutely wonderful. And he's also a good storyteller. And uh, I have taught, as well as teaching at NYU for a, a long time. Um, I started off teaching at the School of Visual Arts, and I taught screenwriting to animators. Okay. So I've been very aware of of animation for a long time, and he's an animator. And, uh, we were, we were, we met because, uh, we were both asked to work on a, on a, on a, on a, a movie, which did not work out, but we connected. And, uh, over the last three and a half years, we've developed four half hour, um, adult animated shows. Um, uh, one of which is about a, a guy who owns a pet shop on the Upper West Side and, um, uh, they adopt dogs out and, mm. uh, Unfortunately for him, his mother moves in with him and his ex wife moves across the hall. So his chances of starting a new life are hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so that's the basic setup. And then we have three other ones that we've developed, and he's also uh, an animator. So we have, you know, Bibles and so on and so forth. And so we've been developing this stuff, and we're now getting ready to take it to market. I think we're close because remember, I do this for a living. Right. So, you know,
0: uh, you've got a sense different. of the checkboxes there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that it's been almost ready, but it, you know, it's, it's, you know, when you're in the jar, it's harder too, but you know, basically there's a moment when things, as you know, on all levels just go pop and it's time to take them out of the oven and serve them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so that's what we're doing. And so the, the plan is to, uh, organize our, you know, our promotional materials, um, uh, you know, connect with some people that we know and, uh, get a deal and start making stuff for streaming or TV or whatever.
0: That's exciting.
1: So that's fun.
0: yeah, and fun. I like that too. and and so there's some comedy elements to those. It sounds like
1: yeah, they're funny. I mean, I mean, to to me, you know my idol was was well, he was my grandfather's client. So Ernst Lubitsch was always my idol. Hmm. and um, and i I love wit. you know, I wanted to be if I could have been a playwright, I would have been no an coward. And you know I just I just love I love humor where I like to watch this humor. And, uh, I worked in drama. I've done so much drama that I'm kind of over drama too. Okay. And so, uh, it, you know, writing comedies, you know, the, the, again, the, the, uh, just the, you know, the, 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 the word, the little sound chunk is the way that you write comedy is you come up with a really good story and then you make it really funny. There you go. You do not try to write a funny story because those are the ones that are pretty flat.
0: So, so why is writing comedy difficult?
1: Um, uh, you know, I think being hard on being funny—the essence of humor is unexpected, right? So if you're to do it on purpose, it's super really hard.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I, you know, one thing I notice is what's unexpected for the reader or the audience might be perfectly logical for the person who's performing or writing it, and it's that element of who they are and when they pull all of themselves forward, that can be what's unexpected.
1: Well, that's, I mean, that's exactly the point. And it's, it's also, you know, the, the, the the delicate balance between um, situation, you know, it's sort of like one of those things where you can either have a a crazy world and a normal character, right. Or you can have a crazy character and a normal world. So in an old story like Arthur, you know, with Dudley Moore, Mm -hmm. you know, you have a crazy character in a straight world. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you look at something like uh, Seinfeld and relatively speaking, he's sane in a crazy world. Yeah. I mean, relatively. Yeah.
0: But it's, there's a lot of, you know, realism and exaggeration in there.
1: And, you know, some of the most successful television comedies anyway are, are based on characters who are people who already find funny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well... What's one piece of advice that new writers don't hear enough? Uh,
1: let's see. Work from an outline.
0: Mm. Say more about that.
1: Um, I, I, I'm, I'm having, I, it's not that you have to stick to an outline.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, we're not talking about writing fiction. We're talking about, you know, we're not talking about exploratory literary fiction. We're talking about things that people want to make or, or, you know, read that are more commercial oriented.
2: Okay.
1: I mean, obviously, you know, if you're creative writing can be very open-ended and I think creative writing is great. But if you are trying to accomplish something like write a screenplay or a book, mm-hmm. um, you have to force yourself to do an outline. Mm. Because otherwise, you're never going to finish it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah, I can't tell you. I, I have, I have, I have, a, I have a writer now who is like, she's just like a, you know, it's like a famous super athlete who was trying to write sort of a combination memoir and how-to book. Right. This is a famous person who has like run many, you know, like very disciplined, does lots of visualization, has won lots of things. And I, I can't get him to sit there and say, okay, chapter one, you know, uh, how I got started my first, you know, my first sports experience. I mean, it's mm. just unbelievable.
0: Mm. That's interesting.
1: Uh, you know, and it's all, it's obviously it's resistance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Of course.
1: Because to admit that, that your life could go into a story is completely, you know, it seemed to be so limiting and mm. right.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but the but whether or not you're writing fiction or whatever the the idea that you that, that you, you you have to learn story structure because there is a universal story and even if you uh, change things around mm-hmm. which is really what all stories do is they, they take you know life which is pretty predictable right you have two parents or you were raised by wolves
2: mm-hmm. right
1: mm-hmm. You, you know I mean there's certain're there basic human tropes that are pretty true unless you put a big twist on them. And um, if you, you know, you surrender that people feel that they're not being original Mm -hmm. and people, our lives are not original. We're born, we go to school, we die. What's you know, okay. It's not original. What's original is your perception of what's going on around you. Mm
2: -hmm. The
1: only way you can develop your perception is to have some kind of, Uh, form to put it in. So consider that your perception is like, are like the wine that you use to make grapes. Mm -hmm. Until you put into a bottle, you got nothing. That's right. So structure provides a bottle, even if you decide you don't want to use it, at least you have something to aim
0: for. Right. You at least know you're going to have a bottle, even if you don't know. How, where you're going to get all your grapes from, maybe.
1: Yeah, or if it's going to be any good, it, you're, as you said it perfectly, that's exactly what it is. At least you know you have a bottle.
0: Yeah. Hey, at least you have a bottle. Um, <laughs> maybe that's the episode title. At least you have a
1: bottle. <laughs> but, I um, mean, but don't you think, like, when you do one of your shows, even if you don't necessarily rehearse it in quotes, you certainly have a basic structure?
0: Yeah, I've got it. Well, I've got an idea of the constraints for sure. And, you know, and then want to fill it with active listening if at all possible and and having insightful, delightful conversations, which definitely having today. And want to be respectful of your time. So I want to ask you one final question and that's on behalf of the audience, which is, um, how do people learn more about you? Where do they find you?
1: Um, my website is um, MarilynHorowitz.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a newsletter uh, that goes out to, I think two or 3,000 people that has writing prompts and whatever. Great. Um, and there's a lot of free stuff on my uh, website that will tell you a lot about what I do. As I say, I do an awful lot of I work in television these days. So I have a whole set of mini vlogs that you know are useful to people. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm a selective private coach. I have to say that I, I, I coach, but very very selectively. Right. Um, and uh, uh, but I am always available. And because I am a writer, to have a free 15 minute consultation to help a writer look at their synopsis or whatever and get get ahead of steam up. So MarilynHarwich.com com is the place to find me.
0: Wonderful. Well, Marilyn, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat. <laughs>
1: Thank you for having me on your show. I am honored. And uh, I loved your book. And I'm going to now look at some of your fiction. But I got to, can I I put the plug in for you and say, I I think of all the self motivational books I've read, yours is one of the kindest and most practical.
0: Oh, thank you for saying so. I appreciate that. You heard it here first. Yes. Would you like to win a copy of Professor Horvitz's screenwriting book used in her award-winning course at New York University for over 20 years? Be sure to visit the episode webpage and enter the giveaway contest. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover the Fearless Storyteller podcast.